Guys, I want to get loud all of a sudden. I, I'm Do it. Sorry, I'm about I'm, I'm, I'm gonna. It's you. <laughs> I knew it was coming. I'm sorry, guys. Get on the back. I need to do that. It is. It is. You feel like Poseidon chucking that bugger down. <laughs> <laughs> chucking that bugger. Did Boy. you butt out that deer? I did not butt out that deer, but the next one I get, okay, I'm just getting its butt out. Is that little Stevie out here? Drobop. Bow drop, I'm sorry. Bop. Hello. Stay tuned. I'll be back after my seizure. <laughs> Every little chipmunk that was running around, everything's dead quiet, and I went... <laughs> like, that just happened. Just happened. I saw what is, in essence, a nature-gasm. <laughs> All right, guys, here we go again around a sonic campfire. You are listening to the Rutten River Pursuit podcast. And once again, another epic show coming up for you guys. Let's go around the table here tonight. I'm Ryan. I'm Will. I'm catfishing. And I'm excited. It's Uncle Buck. Hey, Uncle Buck. We're uh, a little bit different setup going on for us tonight. We'll, we'll get to all of that. But, but guys, I got to tell you, we got something going on tonight. I mean, besides being at the Castle Madeira. Yes. Well, there is that. There's that. We're down here in my Bowtech studio uh, that I got going on. Uh, looking at a bow press, got my arrow cut off saw over there. We got a lot of stuff going on just around us visually. I have to honestly say that this might be one of my favorite rooms that I've ever been in. Yeah. It just screams no 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 chicks. No, no girls well, allowed. I wanted to say no women allowed, <laughs> but it just it's it's even goes more than that. It just literally says, listen. If, if you don't know what anything in this room is, just get the hell out of my house because <laughs> you don't welcome here. Absolutely. Your hat, your hat collection alone is is. I got is, a new autograph on one of those hats tonight. Did you? Yeah. yeah. I'm a big, big up and coming outdoor industry star. The Waffle House hat podcaster. right there. <laughs> <laughs> Two That's more. Probably down. the one I should have signed. Too. But guys, you're not listening to me. We got to get focused here. Wait a minute. Are we going north? We are going north, guys. What I want to make sure we do tonight is let everybody in the U.S. understand what we actually have to talk to tonight. Who we've got on the line. Get on this with is, it. I know. I'm stuttering and stammering <laughs> like Stevie. I can't hardly contain myself. Awesome. Number one. Guys, in Big Canada, star. you can't beat this. No. You can't. We're talking to Keith Beasley. With Canada in the rough. Come on. Come on. Hey, Keith. Keith, you there? Hey, boys. Yeah, I'm here. <laughs> hey, Keith. Keith. How's it going? It's going fantastic, boys. It's fall. It doesn't get much better than that in Canada. I'm sure you're the same down there, though. Oh, yeah. So, it, yeah, we're just getting turned on. It, it, it's starting. The temperatures are starting to drop for us. It, you know, and, and it's finally getting there. Guys, deer, guys deer, are filling some tags. The deers are the deer are starting to run. <laughs> the deers, the deers. <laughs> so, just a real general question to kick this off, Keith. Um, what'd you have going on just today alone? What were you doing today? Just today? That's, that's a great question. I just left uh, Yamaha Canada's national convention. So, uh, they had Japan over and 600 dealers in a big resort, and they had a panel of us. Uh, talking about why we love the product and uh i was getting to talk side by side in four-wheelers so anytime you connect at home a moose out of the woods with a four-wheeler 
life is pretty good, fellas. So that was my day today. Yamaha all the way. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's we can go around the table. But I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm not, I'm not name throwing out. Name, yeah. what, what, what's it called? Name pitch. Uh, dropping names. I'm not dropping names, but I'm a Yamaha fan. Very cool. Although the the big red three wheeler I did have did try to take my life three times, never ever let me down. You could. That might be why they banned it, though. Yeah, that but that be. thing was the most epic but, childhood. But tell you what area you're born in, boys. If you remember the I, big red. The big red three-wheeler. I survived the, that era, driving one of them. We all survived. It was beautiful. Yeah. It was epic. Yeah, you could go in, you know, park it outside your house, go in to take a pee, come out, and it was flipped. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't, even, don't even touch it. It just rolled over in the garage. <laughs> no helmets, though. No. We're too old for that. Uh, it's, Did they make those in the 80s? No. No, not when I was no. riding them. <laughs> I don't remember them. I just, I don't know. There's there's a love affair right there with three-wheelers for some reason, just, I guess, because of the fact that looking at them, you know you're going to get hurt. It's that, it's almost like going snowboarding. Yeah. Looks like fun. You're coming home with a broken something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So, uh, Keith, give us a little bit of an insight as to, uh, your show and and kind of how you got started that fifty thousand foot view of of Canada in the rough and and you actually get to do this with your brothers which is it's epic awesome yeah 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 boy listen this this is uh, this is great I I'm a huge fan of your guys stuff I I'm grateful for the phone call and grateful to talk to you but at the end of the day I mean I don't want to bore anybody with too many details I mean the the best part of it what I get to do for a living and uh, and I definitely have to pinch myself is is we get, we get paid to hunt and and not just hunt but to document our adventures and share them with the world so um, every day I truly have to wake up and, and pinch myself I've already I know I know whitetails are just starting pre-rut right now across much of North America's whitetail areas. The trees are getting rubbed. The scrapes are getting set. The bucks are just starting to be dominant. But way before that, I mean, hunting season started up here long ago. Late August, we started. I mean, I've already slept 15 nights on the Rocky Mountains at the Yukon border in British Columbia, 200 kilometers or miles back by boat. Um, I've already felt what it's been like to be in a, a sleeping bag uh, to wake up with minus temperatures and the water bottle frozen at the top of, you know, 5,000 feet of elevation elk hunting. So this is, this is mid-fall for us. We've been, we've been rocking and rolling for a while now. i got a brother in Newfoundland today. Uh, he, he actually just satellite texted today that he shot a bull moose there this morning. So things are very exciting for us this time of year. But the big broad perspective is we're three country boys uh, that grew up loving the great outdoors and dreamed of ways that we could hunt for a living. And uh, true story, we just kept picking away. And uh, started a whitetail magazine first. That kind of took off, and then the invites for TV started to happen, and we dumped at one called Canada in the Rough. And this is season 14 for us. So um, it's just it's been truly a, a bit of a, a story, fairy tale storybook uh, for many people. But we're we're a great example of, uh, of chasing something long enough and uh, and living your dream. That's awesome. When I met you at the Great American Outdoor Show, you had something that was really intriguing to me. You were the first to do scoring on whitetails and uh, documenting that. There's something along those lines. Ain't that correct? Yeah. Yeah. So the great part of this is for all, for all your audience, whether they're whatever border they're on, I mean, Americans are, are – you guys got hunting licked, right? You guys know it. Archery's been so big for so long. Canada – 
kind of the falls behind you guys in, in lots of ways. Uh, but we're usually 10 to 15 years behind your trend. So in the 90s, when you guys were talking at 150 class deer or four and a half year old buck, Canada wasn't doing that yet. We were still back to the old school hunt camp that that, that buck was a giant at 300 pounds or that guy seen a 14 pointer. He must be 14 years old or, you know, guys didn't really put the biology and the science behind what you guys were well aware of long before us. So scoring was a minor topic. Um, and we, we got involved with the big game scoring of Ontario through the Boone and Crockett system and started all the scoring for Ontario through, through a foundation up here called FRAU, Foundation for the Recognition of Ontario Wildlife, and started scoring deer, bear, and moose, the three big game species in our province. And, um, and that's, that's one of the starts along with our magazine. And then that is still our baby. We still do that. Um, but yeah, we get to understand score and rechange the terminology and the techniques and the, the verbiage up here. And now, you know, people like you guys talk about a 160 or a 170 or that buck's four and a half and, and start to understand the science and the, the thought behind the whitetails. And, and that's been, that's been something we're pretty proud of to see that take place. Yeah. So not to confuse anybody here, but we do print, we do scoring and we do television. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. Two of them are provincial and one of them is national. The TV's national. We, we hunt and film coast to coast to coast up here. The uh, the other two are provincial in Ontario, but Ontario is a big province. It takes 24 hours to drive across Ontario across our Canadian highway called the Trans Canada Highway. So it's a big old piece of real estate up here with lots of critters in it. That's so so anybody listening to this, you'd you'd enjoy coming to visit us up here. There's lots of fish and lots of game. And let me let me let me tell the listeners for people that don't realize how big that is. Like Canada's broke down into what province provinces. We're basically nine provinces, two territories, but um, it's it's big. There's more people in California than all of Canada. Yeah, that's and crazy. To, put that, to, to dumb that down even further, there's more hunters in Pennsylvania than hunters in all of Canada. So when you have this amount of vast crown land open to the public to hunt with just an over-the-counter tag, but no one to share the woods with, let, let's not kid ourselves. It, it's the perfect playground for any outdoorsman or woman. And that, that's, and then we have unlimited water. Um, uh, I really honestly believe the stat is one fifth of, of the world's water just comes out of this province alone. Now we're touching most of the great lakes, but uh, the freshwater capital of the world is truly up here. It's, it's, it's endless. Isn't it 400,000 bodies, bodies of water? water. Is, yeah. That, that's in Ontario. Yeah, and you know what the best part is? You can still drink most of it, you know? Like, on my, on my BC trip this year, we didn't carry water filters or UV lights. We stopped at any creek coming out of the side of the mountain, laid down on our tummy, and took a nice cold drink of fresh That's mountain awesome. water. So, wow. uh, yeah, it's, why are it's we still pretty north? spectacular. And, and Keith, you may actually know this statistic. Um, I'm, I'm probably going to butcher it when I say this, but the other thing that intrigues me about Canada and how vast it is, just to get the point across, like you said, the entire population, uh, there's more people in the state of California. But of your entire population, isn't something like 60 or 70% of that within 20 miles of the U.S. border? Um, yeah. Most of our population lives along the American border. So as soon as you drive an hour north, anywhere in this country, you're in the middle of nowhere. And that's, I mean, I think that's the language all of us share, no matter what our nationality is. When you're talking about driving an hour north in the middle of nowhere to hunt or fish, we all speak that language. It's it's where you dream of being, right? Yeah, where when you take that, that, that hour drive, hasn't hasn't seen a topwater bait before, and that's realistic up here. I'm not I'm not trying to 
dumb this down because I want to make myself sound like a, a king of a hunter. These animals sometimes haven't seen people, and these fish sometimes haven't seen a lure. So that's the beauty of Canada. So I don't want to kid anybody here. We have an amazing show, and we're very proud of our team, and we think we're very qualified hunters. But everybody that's listening is just as good of hunters as us. We put on a ton of time and hard work, but we have an office space that is, you know, three and a half million miles of unspoiled wilderness. So how can you really go wrong if you're going to put the time and effort in? And, and you guys put the time and effort. You guys are always hunting something. I, I, I've been impressed just here. We're mid-fall, and every week, every day, I, I'm getting something new from Canada in the Rough on Instagram. Uh, today, I, I think your brother got that moose with the white streak down its hoof. Yeah, yeah. And then the other brother just satellite texted from from one of his hunts. He just tagged out on a bear, on a moose, and he had a bear tag in his pocket, so went out and shot a beautiful, big 280-pound black bear. So, <laughs> yeah, boys, I mean, listen, I, I, I'm fully admitting that it's incredible, and, and our fall is not even close to being over. Um, you know, we have whitetails here. I, I uh, Tomorrow will be a camera day for me. I'll be checking all our properties locally, because you guys know the deer are starting to move right now. But Kevin heads to Manitoba to whitetail hunt really soon. I head to northern Alberta to whitetail hunt really soon. Uh, Paul heads to northwestern Ontario really soon um, because everything goes in phases. You know, it's it's elk season, then it's moose season, then it's whitetail season, and mixed in all that is there's always bears, there's always amazing waterfowl. And then depending on the season, we're chasing mountain goats or Sitka blacktail deer or we're chasing caribou or we're chasing something, and... Um, that's that's the beauty of what we do, and that I guess that's the message I'd send to all your viewers. I mean, I'm very spoiled. I'm admitting that. Um, all everybody listening or, or your listeners are, are thinking, you know, this guy's got it pretty good, and I do. And and they're just as good as hunters. I mean, would have the same stuff to post on their Facebook page or Instagram page if they were in my spot. So we're nothing special. We're just very blessed and very humbled. But we work hard. But every every outdoors man and woman does. That's that's what we pride ourselves in is, is putting the time in and the uh, the miles on the boots and, and learning our animals and and hunting them. And that's that's what makes us all tick. And that's what makes us all so part of the brotherhood, right? Where we, we all share the same passion. Yeah, a- absolutely. Amen. And not only are you guys doing it for for your business now and and living that and and, and making making a living at it, but you guys come home from filming. And you're out there with your kids then, I've noticed as well. There's no stopping the hunting. You get back home and get the kids outside then uh, and invest in the future. Yeah, you're going to think this is a contrived – I didn't know you were going to ask that, but true story. Um, I I just got back from the office loading up waders and gear, and uh, it's 9 o'clock Eastern here right now, and tomorrow at 5 we'll be at a boat at the launch for a local lake. And we'll be chasing divers with my 11-year-old tomorrow because he's been dying to get out with dad. And, and um, it's it's not my fault or his fault that I'm away during hunting season a lot. So I'm more than happy to oblige and uh, and get that little guy out when he's asking. And his 8-year-old brother's crying mad that it's not his turn. But <laughs> next week it'll be your turn. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, not a, it's not a business, boys. It's a way of life. We're just yep. super fortunate. And to, to make a living out of it, um, because you know, you know, just like you guys, we'd be doing this anyways, whether somebody paid us or not. We just wouldn't have the opportunities we're afforded to do it from the high Arctic to the West Coast to the East Coast, the way we can see all of Canada. And um, and that's one thing unique about the show. We're, we're pro-American, and, and I would love to hunt in the U.S. more, but 
we are a full-time Canadian show, so everything's pure Canadian. I think that's why it does so well around the world. Like, we're airing in 26 countries right now, and a lot of those countries are calling us looking for the content in New Zealand or Australia or the Czech Republic or in, in Finland or in France um, because Canada still remains, and this isn't a, a chest pump over U.S. because I, I love the U.S., but Canada still remains that true last frontier, if I, you will, or that destination where you can go and get away and experience it. Yeah. And uh, not that America doesn't have great hunting spots. I'm not saying that at all. But, you know, everybody knows you can come up here and find a getaway or, or a retreat or a, a dream destination. And, and the world has an appetite for that. So as we're producing this stuff and filming it with a you know a professional crew, it does really well when we relate it back to camera and produce these episodes on Canada and the Rock. Yeah, Canada's pristine country just dwarfs the pristine country of America, like up in Alaska. That's kind of like our last frontier for Americans, I would say. If we wanted to go out and truly homestead or get out into the middle of nowhere, like Catfish has said, you can walk for four days and not see another soul. You can walk for four weeks or four months and not see another soul. I can only imagine the territory in Canada that is just wide open for discovery. We're, we're getting well, ready. boys, and I won't, we're I won't ready throw to... any state under the bus here, but if, if you said to me, hey, you can have a fishing trip to, you know, this state right beside this major city, and, you know, we've pumped 8,000 anglers through that in a week, I'd be like, yeah, that sounds fun. I'd go. But if you said to me, I can give you a fishing trip that's a fly-in <laughs> or a drive-in that has seen no anglers, here's a boat and motor, there's been nobody on this lake in over a year, you're it. You know, that's the kind of opportunities that are here, and they're not that hard to find. And I, I think that's kind of my message to everybody. And I'm not here to tell anybody they need to come to Canada, but I'm definitely here to incite people to dream of hunting and fishing more because that's our what I arm. love to share. Yeah. You don't have to convince yeah. us much, that's for sure. Yeah, we're on our yeah. way. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> I can't wait, man. Well, come on up. Absolutely. I've been wanting to head to Canada long before Trump became president. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> Everybody else wanted to go there since then, but I wanted to go long before that. Yeah, yeah. So I, I want to uh, relay this little story, and, and it's uh, kind of uh, from the outdoor show. <laughs> it's a kind of come clean Yeah. Uh, story um so uh uncle catfish he he meets tyler dunn we show up to the uh ontario tourism booth i came running to get you guys and said you guys have to meet this hockey hair fellow so the greatest thing about keith is like he's so humble because i was waiting for tyler and i'm pretty sure keith looked over at one point he's like you know hey guys i ain't doing anything you guys want to talk you know i'm sitting here and i was like I'm good, man. I'm waiting for Tyler Dunn. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know who he was, even with the 13 foot picture behind him. Yeah, there's a he's standing in front of this gigantic picture I with felt him like with the a, rudest with guy on earth going. You know, a I beautiful bear. I didn't mean to like go like, oh, who are you? I was just I was excited to talk about musky fishing. That's all. <laughs> so it was you know it was it was really truly awesome to come over and talk to you and. Uh, like I just brought up, one of the biggest things I took away from my conversation with you was how amazing you guys have worked, you know, with the magazine and scoring bucks. But as hum as as amazing as you guys are in Canada, super humble, amazing took, guys. Took time to yeah. and we like literally just talk like we're old hunting buddies. It was it was wonderful. It and, was a and again, to meet that's them. I think that's why we you know were instant fans of yours and just uh, you know 
kind of latched on, you know, like, like I said, we were uh, completely ignorant to the, to the moment. To the Beasley brothers. Yeah. How did well, we Well, listen, you, you guys are being too kind, honestly, you are. And I, I you know, listen, we're, we're grateful for you guys. We're grateful for the time you, you give us and, and help promote our business. But at the end of the day, boys, you know this, and I know we already talked about this, we are just other hunters, just out there with the same, the same frustrations, the same excitements, the same heart-pumping moments in the bush as everybody else. We're just super, super spoiled to get to do it probably more than normal. And, and, uh, but yeah, when it comes to being on TV, we forget we're on TV. We're just, we're just, we're just out hunting like everybody else. So I, I appreciate, it. I really do. You guys are very kind, but yeah, no, um, I mean, huh. as much time as you took with us and, and we, act, you know, if you know, guys want to go back and listen to our great American outdoor epi- episodes, I mean, we talked to Keith for, I, I don't know, yeah, half hour or yeah, something like that. Half hour. Yeah. At uh, least. So, so can I tell you guys a funny story about that bear picture? Yeah, please. So we own the interior record books, but we don't think to score our own stuff. I don't know if you guys know that feeling. Like we score everybody else. I probably put a tape on 4,000 whitetails and 1,000 moose and 1,000 bear skulls. But that bear has been sitting in a dining room at our office for a long time as a done finished skull on that picture you've seen. Yeah. So I uh, I just had a guy come to the office the day. He said, have you taped that yet? This is literally three days ago. I said, no, I haven't. He said, let's do it. So I said, you can do it. So I gave him all the the kit. He's an official measure for us. And he taped it up, and it came in just under 20 inches, uh, 16th shy of 20 inches for a bear skull, Boone and Crockett, that is. And uh, we pulled out the Ontario record book, and that currently sits as the eighth largest bear ever taken the province of the crossbow. Oh, wow. It was one of those moments he looked at me, is he kidding me? So I, I didn't know I knew it was big, but I didn't know it was that big. So, um, yeah, it was, it was funny how that, that's the picture you guys were looking at. And I, I didn't even realize that dang bear was so big, but he was a good one. He made a great show. That's and, he, awesome. and he tasted great. I don't know. Do you guys eat bear in Pennsylvania? Because up here in Ontario, we love bears. But when I go to other provinces in Canada, like New Brunswick or Manitoba, they won't eat them, but we love them. Yeah, um, we eat everything. Especially uh, if Will's wife cooks it, because yeah. it's delicious. <laughs> and we've had bear cooked by Leanna before. It was epic. And it was delicious. Oh, yeah. It was a roast. Bear's Keith. fantastic. It gets a real bad rap with the trigonosis, but if you cook it past medium, yeah, you get the trig out of it, and it's just a spectacular meat. Like, my wife's a, a very supportive wife, like many of ours must be. Um, but didn't come from a hunting family. Wild game is not in her vocabulary, but she is very supportive of what we do for a living, obviously, and very supportive of cooking wild game in our home or me cooking wild game or her cooking. And bear next to moose is her favorite. She'll let me bring bear in the freezer long before venison. Um, So uh, for anybody listening that hasn't tried it there, there's a plug. Uh, Bear's fantastic, fantastic. I I find it to be just like for like crock pot. It doesn't dry out like a like a yeah a deer yeah. roast will do uh, over time. Yeah, and that's not to be confused with because it's greasy. That's to be confused with it's just a different style of meat yeah. and doesn't yeah it doesn't doesn't dry the same way. So I totally agree with you. It's it, it there's a lot of different meals and preparations that you can do just because of the like you said it's a different meat. Yeah, I went to a wild game yep. dinner one time in Huntington. Everybody brought a different plate, wild game plate, which is one of my favorite type of, you know, places to go eat dinner and Sure. So we're sitting there and this guy had 
I don't know if you I don't know if you have Arby's up there, but everybody that's listening to us down here knows they sure do. They yeah, got the meat. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> so roast beef thinned, you know, uh, sliced real thin with a. Uh, oh, like au jus. Or, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So this guy had really thinly sliced uh, black bear meat that he made with like a roast beef roast beef style recipe. But when you made a sandwich with it, it was phenomenal. Like a French dip. But it was, but I think, yeah, like a French dip. Yeah. But the thing was, was it was, it was sliced thin. So that was, I think that was the whole thing. Like you got to be kidding me. Oh, it was. Oh. Did you sneak that whole tray out? It did, oh, man. Yeah, it didn't taste like roast beef, but it didn't have to. It had its own yeah, awesome yeah. flavor. Yeah. That's, but it, yeah, that's great. So if people scratch and sniff the podcast on their iPhone, can they smell that? Oh, yeah. No, <laughs> yep, they, do they, it. They, they'd be... You're making me hungry, man. Oh, that's not it. even fair to talk like that right now. Roast beef it. black bear. It's going to be, when I finally do kill one, Keith, uh, that's what I'm making. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll, listen, I didn't intend to plug anybody up here because I don't own an outfit and I don't care if people come or not, although I'd be thrilled for you too. But you can come on a bear hunt up here anywhere from 1500 to $2,500. Seven-day trip, cabin, American-planned food, serve three meals a day, a boat and motor to go walleye fishing all morning, then get in a bear stand and hunt in the afternoon. I still think it's the most valued hunting package on the planet, spring or fall. Um, fish all day, hunt all afternoon for big, big Bruins. And that's Ontario Spectacular. New Brunswick, Manitoba, Alberta, like it's it's full of those up here. But um, um, that that's still one of those packs that I think more people should take advantage of. They love to hunt, hunt and fish. If that's something that three or four of us here at R two is interested in, can you can you give us? I mean, obviously you can give us a heads up at the Sportsman Show this year to try to plan so, out an epic listen, trip. Anybody listening to this, or you guys, anybody who wants to hunt anywhere in Canada for any species, I will literally tell you this right now you can give out my email or my i don't care my website whatever people can face if anybody wants advice on where to hunt in canada oh, we're, we're gonna give them your stuff. cell phone number don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah well whatever honestly listen true story <laughs> I, I will answer every question anybody has personally myself because i'm not passionate about it and when someone's going to put their hard-earned money into a good trip i will give them every bit of my opinion on where and why to go there so there's a plug i don't own an outfit i don't i don't uh have any shares in any but if someone wants to take the time to ask me where to go in Canada and what species to hunt, I will absolutely give you my opinion. Usually, I can back it with footage. How amazing is That's it? That's awesome. In one year, I mean, I don't know if you know this, Keith, but this is almost like our anniversary. When we pre-gamed a little bit, I, uh, Did I you let them know. Congratulations, we boys. Honestly, hats off to you. Congratulations. So we, Thank you. We, we picked Keith Beasley as pretty much our anniversary podcast, but... How amazing is it in one year that we accidentally ran into Keith Beasley, <laughs> and now we have a new best friend we, that can tell us where and when and how to go on the best Canadian hunting trip and fishing trip combination ever. for the least amount of money. Like, got, that's amazing. And we got the surf and turf deal. We got we got Tyler Dunn and on the fishing side with the Beasley boys on We'd the conquer on the, the world we, if we got them two together in Canada. Oh, <laughs> black bears. Well, here's what you need to do: go on an Ontario bear hunt and have Tyler along. So all morning you you fish, and most times in bear you don't hunt them in the morning. So right. before that big bear I caught, I was telling you about or shot, uh, I caught a seven pound twenty eight inch walleye that morning. No Damn. joke. And then come back for a lunch. And had uh, I let him go, we had a shore feed though, and uh, went bear hunting that same day. That's a true story. That's on the show. That day sounds um, like so it you guys, sucks, yeah. Keith. Yeah. 
<laughs> that, that was a, that was a rough day. Yeah, that was a rough day. <laughs> I, I, I think hey, I might. Boy, I might. Life is tough sometimes. You have to take it. <laughs> I think on Lock a hunt on a hunt like that though, Keith, I might be a little sleepy in the stand because I'd be up early wanting to fish those walleye yeah, all day. You know That's what, what monsters if, for. If you really put it all together, boys, don't forget a spring hunt. It's light till ten ten thirty. So you're not getting the stand till usually four to five o'clock p.m. And in a fall hunt in August, it's light till eight or nine. So you're getting a stand three thirty four. So all all kidding aside, you get up and eat bacon eggs, go fish seven to noon, come in have a big lunch, and then I shouldn't say this too loud, but then you have an hour nap. I mean that's the way you do it. Oh, you're speaking uh, to this pappy guy over here. That's for yeah. sure. I'm no, happy I, I'm not too proud to admit it, boys. I don't mind shutting the eyes here and there. Not smart, not always hard. Do, oh, I come from a long do, line of afternoon nappers, that's for sure. Is that kind of hunt known as the <laughs> Uncle Buck hunt in Canada? <laughs> You, you know what? Nap. We will rephrase it. We will rephrase. <laughs> we'll name it. Oh, that sounds like my exactly my kind of hunt. Oh man, Keith, what do you do that you haven't done yet that you just can't do without? Like, what is it that you fall asleep going? This is my. What do we normally call this hunt? The um, bucket list. The bucket, bucket list, list hunt. What do you have to do yet? Yeah, no, it's a great question, boys. Um, I don't get asked that one very often, so I, I appreciate it. Yeah, there is something that makes me tick. I'm not sure if in my lifetime I'll get to do it. My bucket list, my true dream is to to shoot a curled sheep. So a stone, a big horn, a doll. That's my ultimate. Um, um, that that makes me tick a lot. I, I would shoot one, one curled ram over 100 hunts to Africa. It's not because I'm anti-Africa. I'll go on a heartbeat. But that's to put in perspective for you, that's how much that one would make me tick. I live on a mountain for three months to get in range of a, a big curled ram of, of any of those species I just rhymed off to you. So it's, that answers your question. That's a great bucket that's a list. Good I, answer. I've been on many doll sheep hunts and let me tell you, there's nothing in this life in my personal opinion that is, and I haven't hunted everything, so I can't say like, you know, hunting Nile crocodiles or hippos is, is harder, but yeah. it's pretty a, hard, but there's nothing that I've done <laughs> that is as tough as trying to close the gap between a dull sheep and Alaska. So, and it's, it's, it was a pretty epic journey. So. Well, I, I find them the epic animal. I find them truly unbelievable. You, you have to know I'm, I'm a whitetail boy through and through. I grew up with whitetails only, so that's what we learned how we made all our errors on whitetails, and I still find them one of the most difficult, a big mature whitetail on the planet. But the the work, the the preparation, the the amount of effort that goes into a mountain hunt for a sheep is just another another world from the tents to the to the high altitude to the to the the sweat and the the wind to the spot and stock i just find them one of the ultimate so i've never done it i don't know if i'll get to i really don't they're they're that kind of the demand is very high for them on the canadian soil yeah. and uh you know the people that can do them don't have a lot of space or room um and not being a resident of any of those locations it's it's a tough Goal. My brother shot an incredible one. We have a full life-size uh, mount of a what would be called a fanon, a cross between a doll and a stone. He shot a ten and a half year old ram in the Yukon at uh, seven thousand feet during a blizzard one one time in August. Epic, epic show for us. But um, yeah, it's, that's that's my one voice that makes me tech right there. Absolutely. Yep. The, you know what took me off guard? I was it was nineteen ninety seven. I was seventeen years old when I went up to Alaska and uh, worked for a hunting outfitter and. The the first doll sheep that we cut open and we field dressed, 
it blew my mind because I had no clue that they had five stomachs. So as then yeah. I had a really jokester comedian style guide with me that looked at me and he's like, Hey, look here, learn one, two, hey, hey, three, wait, 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 four. I was like, what, what is going on? I thought I was being punked or something. You know, like, I was like, what is, this is like a mutant, this is like a mutant whitetail. But I didn't realize that how their digestive system Like works. that magician that just keeps pulling the hanky out of his pocket. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, like a clown a, car. Yeah, just a really great experience to learn that. And uh, it, it was an epic journey. I hope, I hope Keith, in, in your lifetime, you get to witness you know, the great mountains of Alaska. That'd be amazing. I appreciate it. I hope I do too, buddy. That'd be spectacular. Yeah. Hey, Keith, can you take us back to when you guys were just kind of getting started? And and what was your, like, first moment where you realized that this is real? This is going to – this is happening. Cool. Buddy, I don't even know if I'm there yet. (laughs) Uh, um, Yeah, so, you know, three brothers, five years between us. Um, When there's that kind of age gap in brothers, which is not that big when you're adults, when you're kids, it's pretty significant, right? Like when when Kevin's five years younger than me at 15, we're not really hanging out yet. But as Kevin rolled into 15 and 16 and became, you know, a young man, and I'm 20, 21, and, and Paul's in between us, that's when we started to really bond as brothers because all of a sudden we had this really common theme between us. We all wanted to hunt and fish. So that's what we did together. And we learned to whitetail hunt together and we learned to fish together and, and, and we got better at it, better at it. One day, um, Paul was just finished university. Kevin was still in the middle of it. And I was out failing miserably as a financial planner. And my, my very wealthy boss, uh, who knew I wasn't doing that well, said, I'm building a 11,000 square foot log cabin way up in northern Ontario. Why don't you take some time off, get your brothers, I'll pay you by the hour. You live in my old 100-year-old cabin, and every day put in 12 hours and pioneer draw knife, these 180, 50-foot logs with 8-foot butts on them of white pine. So for six weeks, and being farm boys, it was awesome. We're like, yeah, right on. So for six weeks, we get up, work 12-hour days, pounding these giant logs. And uh, we started doing one each, and it took forever, and we realized the teamwork thing worked better. You start at the front, I'll start in the middle, you start at the back, and then we'll keep rotating, and we just conquered these logs together. And that's where we all said, what can we do to make money to hunt? What can we do to actually get paid to do what we love? And that's where the magazine idea dreamed up. We were already volunteer measuring for the record book. The synergy between the two happened real fast when we started the magazine and the record book owner um, wanted to, to sell to us. So then we put those two together, started traveling all over the province. I still remember going, um, getting our first $20 bill when someone said, this magazine idea, I don't know how long you're out, but it's great. Here's 20 bucks. Here's my subscription. And I remember buying our gas to come home with that because we were pretty broke and saying to my brother, what if we can't pay that guy his money back? You know, what are we going to do? And it was a scary, scary time. But uh, we went ahead and launched it, borrowed some money, and... Uh, and then I think it got real, real official um, when, uh, when, when we were, we were seeing it. You know, we we had years behind us, and we we're seeing this this magazine become part of hunting culture in Canada. And then TV came and just took it to another level. And um, you know, I still don't think we've arrived, boys. I really don't. I, I still don't see it as being. We're still every day trying to make it better and the business better, but. 
Um, to full circle to your question, um, you know, I think we've finally seen our magazine in newsstands at, you know, convenience stores and chapters and at Bass Pro Shops. That's when I, I had a couple moments where I said, wow, like we've really, we've really done something here. And then to sit on your couch with your family and see your, you know, your TV show come on national television. That's still very humbling for me and something that still chokes me up a little bit on a Sunday morning to sit back and watch, you know, these great adventures get shared with the world. And then probably my greatest moments in this business are when I'm, when I'm at a trade show or I'm answering an email and someone remembers a show from eight years ago. And they don't just remember it. They remember what happened or what the animal did or how I screwed up or how I made the shot and what I said. And, and then it really hits home that, you know, these people are living this right along with us. Like these are, these are our friends. These are our allies. These other hunters across the world are, they're sharing these journeys with us and they're, you know, where they're inviting us into their living rooms and, um, that's where it's really become real and very tangible and raw, I guess. Um, and we're still truly humbled by it all. And that, that's proof, too, of how well it resonates, I would say, with everybody. When they can recall a show like that, like you were saying from eight years ago, remember all those little details, that means it really meant something to them, too. It wasn't just that they watched it and they were there with you in the moment, but it stuck with them. No, absolutely, yeah. Yeah. It just, it it happens very organically, like... Uh, you, you start to, you're like, I'm planning for a bear hunt. And so you look to a Canada and a rough and some, you know, some other shows, you know, where they're, they've been down the road and, you know, they, you, you just start watching it over and over. And I don't know, uh, every, you know, like I'm looking at Ryan's, uh, outdoor video tape. He's got VHS, you know, <laughs> stacked up. He's got DVDs. You don't have those anymore? I, got, I still got a bunch of them. I can't watch them on anything anymore, but I got a bunch. But, we, you know, you start to just kind of immerse yourself in that season, you yep. know, and, and and I think, you know, you guys fall right in line with that, you know, or it, that's, you know, I don't know. It's It's very cool. And like you said, it's real. And it's real to everybody, not you know, not just you, but it's it's it it's real to everyone. Well, and and TV doesn't change your emotions, right? Like we got a job to do, but we're first and foremost we're we're hunting, right? So you can't act that, you can't script it, and and I I don't mind telling you guys this, it hasn't come there yet. But on that that BC mountain trip that I did, where we're sleeping in a little tent, frozen water bottles, like like literally my toes are still damaged from it because there's so much up and down and, and wear on the body, but. It was night number nine of 10 when I finally harvested my six by six elk at, at 5,000 feet of elevation that I had to go two miles straight right at him. And, and when he finally tipped over and, and Jake, our main producer, one of our main producers turned the camera to me, I, I have no problem admitting this to you guys. I, I, I choked up, tears ran down my cheeks and I'm trying to do my moment um, of, of, you know, how grateful, like, like this, this wasn't just, some contrived i was just like everybody else out there like i was i was amazed and re, you know that we'd reached our goal like we hit the summit like this was it and i knew you know that it had nothing to do with business and nothing to do with who was watching or i was just purely brought kind of to my knees about this greatness of this moment and it and it brought out emotions in me that you know i don't care how embarrassing it is to tell you and, and somebody will see it someday like I, I had tears running down my cheeks how much my wife had sacrificed and i was sound kind of gushy or cliche but like a lot of things went into place for that to happen you know including me running up hills all summer in southern ontario to get ready so when it kind of culminated there it it was just raw emotion for me and that's 
that I think speaks to the type of TV we're making. This stuff isn't scripted like your guys' podcast. You you can think you got a plan one night, but you know it's organic and it's just real. And I think that's what's beautiful about our industry. We all we all can read read the same you know stories and and watch the same TV shows, but it all incites different emotions that are all very similar. It, it takes us back to our roots and and it and it really is humbling stuff because it's it's real life and um, you know. That's why we all spend so much money hunting and fishing because it's it's not something you can get anywhere else. You have to be outside. And you have to take it in. And there is there is nothing, Keith. You're absolutely right. There's nothing. I've had everybody has had massive heartbreaks. Has has lost people. Has had epic like highs of like marriage and vacations in the first time snorkeling or cage diving with sharks. There is nothing in the world. If you're a true hunter and fisherman, that you can find not only peace, but an heightened sense of gratitude. It's everything. There's every emotion in one moment during a, a successful hunt, or even sometimes even a non-successful one. Just sitting in with your your brothers in a duck blind. There is something about hunting and fishing that most of the world doesn't get. And the great thing about you and, and Tyler and a lot of our other friends are, like, we really appreciate the fact that you get us. Like, the the fact that you're talking to us tonight is, you know, you get us. You've joined our crew. And, uh, you know, we're, honest to God, you know, we're, we're from Pennsylvania. We're not as hardcore as some of the other hunters in the world. I mean, we're, speak for yourself, Speak bud. for yourself. Yeah. yeah. What? Well... <laughs> Yeah, bud. Come I, on. I don't know how many days I've slept in a sleeping bag in sub-zero weather this year. However, if well, Keith if I did, us, we would do it. If I did, I would have put my water bottle in the sleeping bag with me, so it wasn't frozen in the morning. But that's just me. <laughs> I, I understand where we're going. My point was was I understand what you're saying, Keith. There is a heightened sense of amazingness of what we're allowed to do in this lifetime, and yeah. uh, I'm really, I'm really. I don't have I don't have the words to tell you how much that I understand that moment. How many times does the in the woods or last night yeah. when you realize who your brothers are? Yeah. You know, and, and the fact that you get to do it with your brothers again again, that it floors me. I mean I got my I, our, our, I had new emotions last night. Yeah. I've never stood ever in the woods and have been had a leader in front of me like I did last night. Like, I felt like I was not the leader. I've never seen a bulldozer tracker take over when I'm supposed to be the teacher. Never. I literally felt like I was but I was not the teacher last night. You, I was the learner. And I just went, I, every second I was said, I, I can do this. I, I, I can do that. Hey, I, but I, you, I got this. And I didn't have to. I had a brother... But there again, every hunt we've been on, every Keith, every fishing trip we go on, it doesn't matter what it is. There's a new experience emotionally, and th- that's the difference between, you know, hunting and killing. Yeah. It, 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 well, and, it, and don't don't you guys just wish right along with me we could speak to all the anti hunters in the world and just open up their hearts for a minute and pour some of the the raw real emotions we all share because it has nothing to do with killing. Thank you. That's what Keith was. It's Keith not a trigger pull. I wasn't calling us a bunch of you pussies. Know, I was saying. No, it. but, you know, it, the greatest moments with my brothers 
have not had to do with kills. It had to do with being attached at the hip, you know, in the great outdoors with unbelievable real moments, you know, and that's, you know, when people look back at hunting and fishing to what rooted them in it, it's someone they loved, someone they admired, someone that took the time to introduce them to the great outdoors. And you can't buy this stuff. You can buy the gun, you can buy the truck to get you there. You can buy the lodge for the week. You can't buy the moment. And, no, and that's, that's why it's so real. And that's why, you know, if, if people hear one thing out of Canada from me tonight, it's, it's we're all so much alike. And that's why you don't teach this stuff. you got to introduce people to it, but it's in our blood. It truly is in our DNA. This, this calls you. I mean, this, this speaks to your emotions. Um, yeah. It puts a smile on your face without you trying to have it put a smile on your face. But I, and that's, that's never, what makes it all tick. I, I know you were talking about me you know, last night. So, I was um, not. I, I just want, I want to add a little bit of levity. It's taken me almost 40 years to get to that moment. To hear those words? Yeah. Well, let me tell you, I, I, for the, Keith, you're, you're at an epic anniversary moment. I will share with the world right now that I am more than proud of my brother. I have hunted and fished since I could walk. My dad's, you know, put a bow in my hand since I could walk. And I'm nothing special. I'm, I'm no nothing. But I've not known anything in my life but catching rabbits on, on summer vacations. I didn't have any, you know, neighbors growing up. Hunting and fishing was all I knew growing up in the country. And to watch my brother come to me eight years ago and get back into archery, learning to shoot. My brother put me to shame last night. He really did. He, he's not only the most like humble person that I know, but tracking, make, you know, teaching my wife to track last night, bulldozing, dragging my deer out of the woods for me, even though that he kind of didn't, I don't know if there's like one second where you were maybe second-guessing where I knew where the road was, but it was like 10 yards away, and we were in the thickest, thickest crap there was. I'm like, no, really, brother. The, the road's right there through all them thorns right there. Go through them thorns. Bulldoze through them thorns. There it was. But I had a different moment in hunting last night. Um, in all the years that we've hunted and fished together, since second grade with a giant gap, I now know what my father felt about me yeah i was ext- i i don't i don't have any level playing field anymore i om- i almost felt that you were above me last night and and to me it was i was so proud that <laughs> moment was it was better than actually harvesting the dough to yeah. watch you yeah. in the woods to watch you come down an hour drive an hour to come help me out of your time and all the stuff that after we got the deer out of the woods and go back up Keith, I mean, I'm not just talking. It was. No, no, no. I had Buddy, this, listen, I had this listen, feeling about Everybody my, listening knows what you're saying right now. Everybody. Everybody. I, I was very you proud. Just did, you just defined. You just defined a hunter. I did. You just and I gather. I don't have any children, so I never had that son to teach. Well, and but I. Last night, I, I finally, for the first time in my life, knew what it felt like. It and, was powerful. And I was going to stop you. Uh, early, just a little bit ago, Catfish, when you said I, I was shamed last night. I, I think it's the opposite. You were honored last night because yeah, what yeah. you did and, was your your Padawan learner came back and showed you that he is a master now, and that should it's nothing but a tribute to you. 
because That's you're true. the one who taught him that. I didn't and know how to feel. My midichlorians was off the chart. Exactly. I, I tested them. <laughs> exactly. That, that, that is, and, 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 well, and being a well, father, boy, that is the exact feeling a father has. Cool. You, you guys have nailed it. And listen, when, when do men hug? Funerals, weddings, sports events, and in the woods or and beside a fish. When that, you, that, that's when the motion gets highest where you you take, when, drop all the pride, drop all the ego, and you embrace in these incredible, incredible moments. And, and on you know, that's what it's all about. <laughs> when, you, when, when you find that dough you didn't think you were going to be able to find. Heck yeah, man. No, it, it's it's... It's been a great year for us, and just one thing after another. But, uh, and Keith, I think you bring it out in us. This is going to turn into like a, you know, Oprah or something. Yeah. No, it's good though. It was Keith. How often do the Beasley boys? You guys are all out like hardcore, like you said, going every all points of Canada. How often do you guys get to hunt together? Let alone all three. Very of you? rarely. Very rarely. So the most special moments for us, if uh, there's a weird question, I'll get asked this one again either, is when our home farms have a hunt on them and somebody shoots, no one wants to be left behind. So if Kevin Arrow's one, he has to wait for all of us because we all want to be there. We all want to track it like we used to because we're all around. I all We all want to touch a hoof or an antler and drag it out together. It still brings out the utmost in back to our roots emotions and, and uh because, yeah, we don't get to share the mountain together that often. Um, when we were broke and poor, we filmed each other. But now we got way better, more professional people to do it. But, um, yeah, so our home our home roots are still here. Now, we all have kids, and that takes our spare time a lot. And, and you know, um, we share those moments with them a lot. But, yeah, we still, when someone shoots something locally, you, you wait because the other two want to be there. That's, that's, and that's <laughs> it's, what it's, it's awesome. all about. Isn't it funny? Here we are a world away. We're a world away from Keith. And the text I get from Will this morning is, thanks for waiting for me, brother. I wanted to be with you. So yeah. me and Lacey sat at the beginning of the blood trail last night. I didn't know. Will didn't actually, like, text me, hey, I'm on my way. I just kind of knew. I kind of messed around. We, we went up and I was messing around with the beehives with Lacey, saying they don't sting you at night and blah, blah, blah. Whatever I could do to mess around. <laughs> And we walked to 50 yards through the corn, you know, which is always fun and freaky at night. Like, I'm going through, I turn the lights out, let Lacey have to walk by herself That's in the dark. That's scary. It's yeah. not fun. And I'm over there, and I put I Lacey on the blood trail, and I hear a truck beep. You know, I hear the truck horn over by my truck. I'm like, all right. So there's either one, Will's here, like he drove all the way down here, or two, Somebody's breaking into my truck to grab all my crowns. <laughs> yeah. But it was Will. And I sat there and went, you know, I had a gut feeling you're on your way. Yeah, heck yeah. Yeah. So I'm sorry, Keith. I'm we've already buddy, had don't it. don't I, talk. Don't don't say that again, buddy. Uh, you're, you're talking my language. Hey, you're talking everybody. I, I, I had a, it's it's really bad when you're saying sorry to a Canadian. I had a really good night <laughs> yeah. last night. Yeah. Hey. In all the years that I've been hunting, like I ran away to Alaska when I was seventeen. Um, I didn't want to do anything else but be an Alaskan hunting guide. And it didn't work out for me. Uh but it, it just didn't work out, but I had some amazing hunts and amazing experiences. Um I came back and have been hunting ever since. I mean, from groundhogs to whitetails, whatever. My, my truck's a rolling hunting camp, and I, I love it. I just, I love being out every day. I can't believe 
that there is anything else in this lifetime besides hunting and fishing that can give me a new feeling and a new experience every day, no matter your experience level. And I'm never surprised of how amazing that it is that I've never felt like this. Like, it's amazing. There's nothing in this world like hunting and fishing. So our podcast listeners, you already know this, so you're listening to Hunt and Fishing Show, but um, it gets better. Just wait. When you think you've seen it all, you haven't. Well, it's ten times more fun well, when you can share it with your family and and like. Well, the yeah, that's the only thing I need to say. Yeah, and you, 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 the only thing I can add to that is family's number one, but hunting's number two. And when you combine the two, it makes the ultimate moment. Yahtzee. Yeah. Yahtzee. Well, I was always very, I was always very jealous in high school. Like uh, I, I grew up with a kid named Luke Cooper. Um, he had a brother, Vassar, a bigger brother. I had all these friends that had bigger brothers, younger brothers. I always wanted a brother, and uh, Will's always been my brother. We're not by blood birth, but um, same litter though. We grew up same same age, same you know. And it's it's there's something about a brotherhood, and then there's something about a brother when when you hunt with them. So I can understand somewhat where where you're coming from with hunting with your brother there, Keith. It's awesome. It's awesome. Yeah, and Keith, I hate to do it, but I think we're actually running up on time here. That's my um, fault. Well, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, 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 boys. You always have a friend in Canada. There's three of us, and you always have. Um, anytime you or your listeners want to chat anything hunting in Canada or fishing, my line is wide open. I will take any time anybody that listens to this wants to talk to you about a hunting trip to Canada. It'd be my pleasure. I I appreciate you saying that, Keith. And like we always tell a lot of our guests, and I think you know we told you this before when we saw you at the uh, at the show here in Harrisburg. You know, you've got eight or fifteen new best friends just from this group alone. They're here, in PA. and of course, anybody listening to this podcast too is going to be ready to hit you up. So, if you don't mind, can you let everybody know where can we get a hold of you if we need to? But also, where can we just keep tabs on what's going on with Keith and all of the Beasley brothers and everything Canada in the rough? For sure, boys. I, you know, uh, not good at plugging ourselves, but you know, we're on Facebook. Uh, Canada Rough is on Facebook. Canada Rough's on Instagram, and Canada Rough has a website. And then for your American listeners, the first 26 weeks of 2018 will be season 14 on the Sportsman Channel Tuesday nights in the Real Tree Block. Nice, awesome, fantastic. All right, well, well Keith, I appreciate it so much. Thanks for the time. Are we out of time already? Oh, we sure did. Dang. Happy anniversary, boys. Hey. Cheers. <laughs> Thanks. Awesome. Thank you, Keith. Hey, be- Thanks, Keith. Before we let you go, are you going to be back down for the Great American Outdoor Show? Yes, sir. Nice. We'll be there. You hear that, everybody? Get out to the Great American Outdoor Show, and, and you can meet Keith Beasley personally. Come shake the man's hand. Yes. Get out. Good stuff. Awesome. Thank you, Keith. Thanks, Keith. Thanks, See Keith. See you, boys. Bye. What a great conversation. I, I didn't expected it was going to go the way it did but like keith beasley the beasley brothers salt of the earth yeah i've got a list of questions i wanted to ask him yeah and it was like no that's not what we're here to talk about we are talking about just the real living in it yeah the realness of hunting right and uh i, I kind of feel like it was a lot of a continuation of 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 how or what we talked about at the Great American Outdoor Show. Yeah. And, again, it was just how we connected, you know, just 2.0. There you go. I, I don't mean to – I don't want this to seem like come out as an 
as an insult, but it wasn't like we had a guest tonight. It was no, another, a, another brother a, a at the fifth table. Our two brother at the table tonight. Yeah. 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 Um, it was. Cool. It, it it wasn't an interview. It was more of a a true sonic campfire discussion. Of, yeah, we were all sitting around together just talking as brothers. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I've said it so many times with, with the guests, and most of the time it's like right now in the podcast, after we get off the phone with them, it's like these are real people, and there's a reason that we end up connecting with them. You know, it, 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 he's not putting this show together with his brothers where they're worried about who the next uh, company is that's going to come along to, to pay next month's bill. These are guys that are just living it, Fortunate enough to have somebody there to document it, mm-hmm. and but, but that's like that's the reason that it it takes off. I use the word resonate when we talk to them. Like that's why it resonates with everybody, is because it's so real. Yeah, you yeah. know these are down to earth guys, and they're just doing what they love, and it comes across. Just like I hope the conversations that we have that people are listening to now, like it just comes across. It's passion, and it's there, and it's real. Yeah, I have to say. That all the people that I've ever met in the industry, Keith Beasley may just be the most humble person I've ever met. Yeah. That being said, guys, like, you know, the realness. Is there any realness that happened this week? (laughs) (laughs) Anything new, Phil? Uh, I got out in the woods again with Brother Will the other morning, and uh, we got out. Uh, Unfortunately... You know, things happen. Nothing showed up. Nothing showed st- up. I mean, it was the but, tail end of that, you know, the heat wave that kind of yeah. blew through, and, the, and temperatures are just now starting to drop for us and getting to, uh, back into some and forty we, degree mornings. This is the first week we can see our breath in the morning, right? Yeah. Right. Other and, and and really, we had one day opening day. It was still cool, and then it warmed right back up. Unseasonal record-breaking I mean, all but nineties, and and right? I and and they just right. shut shut down. Yeah, I I th- I think I sent a personal text this week to Ryan that said tonight would be a good night to be in the stand, and I I maybe accidentally sent it to Kyle instead because <laughs> that's where he went. Because that's where he went, and then we got some pictures. Yeah, Kyle got a nice Kyle, Kyle got a nice day this week. Yeah, archery season. Yep. So, yeah, right. all, all you guys have been uh, just not not literally killing it, but in not, some cases, quite literally down, right? killing it. I mean, you guys have been out there. This has been my worst season in forty some years. I mean, is as it, far as my it, attendance, is it in your the worst outdoors. season? Or are you com- are you comparing yourself to? Other guys. <laughs> no, certainly not. Certainly not. But as far as my participation, yeah. let's say, yeah, yeah. in in actually getting out and hunting in the first three weeks of archery, this has been my my weakest year uh, so far as far as attendance goes. But uh, you, some of it's some of it's directly related to you know my recent fishing addiction. I was going to um, say <laughs> that that that's become a bit of a problem for me. Uh, but but life in general um, has has gotten in the way more this year than it has in in years past, which is you know it is what it is. It's it's what you're going to do. But I have really started to get that itch again. You know now that we're waking up, I had a frost on my truck yeah. two mornings this week, and it was like. <laughs> mm. 
Oh, it's about that time. Yeah. Let's yeah. do this. The October lull is, is over, I think. Yeah, it, and it's going to turn on. I mean, it was this week last year that uh, I shot a buck. I'll tell you guys about it sometime. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, really? And it was, last year. It, was, it was this weekend uh, last year that I broke my hand, so I don't maybe that's got something to do with it. Happy anniversary. Yeah. Thanks. I remember that. That was the first time we spoke to you on the podcast. Yeah, it was like two days after. Yeah. 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 You're all swolled up. You and Brad came that down. That look good. Yeah, that was before I really had any x-rays or anything done. I'm like, yeah, it just kind of doesn't hurt. It yeah. looks funny. Well, that's, yeah, because I asked Ryan, I said, man, that doesn't look good. I said, what, you got to take care of that this week. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to. I'm going down. Where do you go? The Caribbean? Yeah, we're going to Mexico. We're going to Mexico. I'll take care of it. <laughs> I'll have somebody look at it down there. <laughs> No, it's, it's absolutely right. Like, I, I, if you've been following our podcast, I said last week, the week before, the week before that, I've been saying that I am, I'm still fishing. I'm in fishing mode, in which I still am, but I can feel it now. The, the breath outside in the morning, when I walk out and I can see my breath, there's something different that changes inside of me, and I felt it. I was like, you know what, this is, this is kind of ridiculous that I'm not in a tree yet. And um, I haven't done the work to be in a tree, but I did do some scouting last week. Mm -hmm. And uh, I found a pretty amazing spot. It's hard to explain. It's a pretty amazing spot where the deer cross over. And they have the they have the area just run down into a V into the mud like a cattle trail. And I ran across it actually scouting for a place to, you know, go pheasant hunting, uh, looking for pheasants. And I said, man, this is... These deer crossing here every night. I have to be here. So, and that's exactly where you want to be this time of year. Yep. You know, right on those heavily <laughs> used trails. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, that being said, like you didn't have a ground blind set up. You didn't have a tree stand set up. No, I just had a gut feeling that the deer crossing there. Yeah. Yeah. And it it felt good. I mean, I went out. I went out the other night for a couple hours just to enjoy, and I didn't really expect to see anything. Um, and I saw a couple does. I had two big does, but both of them had twins with them. I could have shot either one of them. I had them both in, in the sights. And, uh, the you know, self-control got the better of me. They were pretty young does, late bloomers, uh, late, late fawns. And uh, it, it made me feel like a good hunter. I'm like, go on, go. You know, just get. And um, I have lots go of time. Go on, get. It was the first night out, and you know, to get to get two nice big does in the sights yep. was, hey, man, that's a, that's a win for me. So, they they left, and the next night it was. Here's the greatest thing about, I decided to go archery hunting on one of my farms that I have, and I walked out of the garage to go hunting. I'm dressed to the T, and uh, I go to walk to the truck, and I look to my right, and in my neighbor's yard stood three big does looking at me. <laughs> <laughs> it was just fun enough just to laser range find them at 61 yards to go. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, I got in the truck, and I went over. I can't really explain this night. Like, it was, I got there. It's not far from my house. You have to walk 50, 60 yards through the corn, and there's no way to do that quietly. you got to plow through the corn. Yeah. On, the, on the other side of this cornfield, there's a small, let's call it a meadow, because that sounds nice. There's a small little circle-like meadow, and it's in between two pieces of hardwoods with a gap, so they have to cross through it. There's no other way through it. 
So That I, does sound nice. It is. So yeah. when I found this trail where they were crossing, I said, well, I'm going to set up over here. So I put the leafy wear on for all intents and purposes, a ghillie suit, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And I went over there and I set up on the ground. I find it more of a challenge to hunt from the ground. And uh, I I just told myself, I said, listen, these... These deer are going to cross right here and go over there. And I'm playing this all through my mind. I can see it in my mind. As I'm, I sit down, the, the sun's getting ready to set. So the sun goes down, but it's still daylight. And I can see it in my mind. I'm watching this big six-point walk out of the woods. And I'm looking through the scope, and I'm even picturing him walking across. I'm like, right there. Take him right there. That's at 30 yards. I laser range finded a couple trees. And I got this grand vision in my mind. And then I look out of the, I look out of the, the, the scope, and I sit back, and I'm like, you know what? What an amazing night! Mm-hmm. And it wasn't it crazy? Like this dog started barking a hundred yards away, and then at like fifty yards away, the squirrel started tearing. I mean, just tearing something a new butthole in the woods. <laughs> like he's barking his head off, and I'm going, that's. And then I hear like a a, a, twi- a twig crack, and I'm going, all right, here we go. Something's coming. Something's on its way. It was crazy. My the vision of the six point that I just had daydreamed. So I got I got everything up and I'm lined up and I'm sitting there. Sure enough, I see a doe in real life, not a daydream now. Poke her head out of the woods, looking right at me through the scope because I'm dead solid. Safety's off. I knew something was coming. Yeah. It's all crap because it was all daydream. But it actually happened. <laughs> it's almost like I knew what I was doing. Uh, I, as you heard later on, I get to join Catfish in the, in this story. Yeah. And uh, we're walking by, and he's like, "I was right over there," you know. And, and I'm showing you in the dark with the flashlight where I was. Yeah. yeah. There's this like tiny catfish-sized <laughs> hole <laughs> cut out in like the briar patch, like the really thick. Like, I mean, it's like, I don't I know. I embedded myself in Yeah, it. and it's like, you know, and it's kind of like got this little concave little place where <laughs> something was laying. Yeah. You know, it was like, it was like built for catfish. I mean, it almost had like his silhouette. <laughs> yeah. He like, uh, I, if his name wasn't Catfish, I'd, I'd probably change his name to Gecko. Because he just, <laughs> well, it was Mr. Cr- Camouflage is like his power, you know, his, his powers. It's true. I mean, the first one, the first girl come out, and I watched her come out through the scope, and she had no clue I was there. She was looking right at me, and she come out into the field, and I said, "Well, you know, that's a pretty. That was last year's fawn. It was a decent doe, but it was last year's fawn." And the second doe walked, you know, come out, and I was watching her, and she was much bigger, much, you know, an adult-sized deer, probably a three-year-old, and then. I was debating on whether or not to take that doe. I had her in the crosshairs. Mm-hmm. I had the safety off, and I'm looking at her. And I, out of the corner of my eye, I saw an ear flick. So a third doe come, you know, out of the woods, looking at, you know, looking around, look, actually looking at me in a scope. And she come walking out too. She made it maybe five yards out of the woods, and then I had her in a scope, and I'm looking at her. She was much, much bigger than the other two. I kind of looked behind her to make sure there was no fawns with her. I didn't see anything else. I didn't hear anything else. But yet the second doe now that came out, remember the middle one, she stomped. Oh. She's looking over at me. Oh, uh, no, you didn't. It's yeah. the worst. She, uh, so out of, out of my left eye, I'm watching this second doe stomp, and her head straight up. 
And out of my right eye through the scope, I'm watching the third doe going, huh, well, the soybeans in the corner right there. Like, I don't really care. <laughs> and uh, so anyhow, I, I, I knew what the range was, and I had to, I had to scope on her. I had the safety off, and I'm, deba- I'm like really concentrating on exactly how far it was through the scope. And I've already made my conscious decision I'm going to take this doe. Mm-hmm. And as I'm looking through the scope, if you can picture it, I'm looking at the little circles. I'm like, all right, well, there's my 30-yard. It's right there. I want it right. To- Boom. I'm like, oh, well, I guess I'm taking that one because the crossbow just went off. <laughs> <laughs> the crossbow yeah. knew. Yeah, the the muscle memory of actually shooting the crossbow went off a little bit before I was ready. Yeah. But I would, I was aiming so in, intensely. I was so concentrated on aiming on this doe that was broadside to me that when the crosshair went off, um, the crossbow went off, I heard this bass drum, this boom. It was loud. And I went, well, that was, I knew I hit her solid mass. I just didn't know where. Those things are so fast that I have no clue where the shot went. Right. Yeah. So she took off. She ran in the woods. Long story short, she, I don't know, maybe 30, 40 yards, I heard something crash. You know, I've, I'm throwing my hoodie off, trying to do all my body mechanics, trying to listen for as long as I possibly can. And so I thought I heard her get up and run, and I hear a bunch more crashing. And a couple minutes later, I'm still sitting there dead quiet, trying to listen, trying to listen. And I hear, you know, the and I'm going, okay, well, something's huffing down there. I kind of know where that's at. And, uh, it's hard to, when you have a group of, you know, two, three, four, to listen for that last, you know, it's different from a single. It is. You know, when, to listen for that last crash or whatever, you're, um, you, you, I mean, it's easy to, how do you know it's not another deer? It is. And that, and honestly, in this story, that's what happened. So I figured that this deer got back up and ran down across the road, this old dirt road. None of this is even remotely open. No, it's thick. <laughs> just, from it's experience. Thick. The, the only thing that's open is the catfish silhouette in the briar patch. Yes. Okay. Yeah, we're, yeah my butt imprint in the briar patch. Yeah. You, know, you got to sit really still when there's 35 jaggers sitting. <laughs> you don't you, have any you, choice but. Yeah, if you, if you get to go you know, grouse hunt or uh, pheasant hunting or whatever, it, you, you got to ask them to show you that place. It, it's, it's hilarious. It, it, but here's the thing. Tell me that. Even in the dark, is it not like a little section of heaven? Like there's soybeans, there's corn on one side, yeah. and you're separated by two giant hardwoods. And one of the more scary things to walk through in the pitch dark uh-huh. is corn. Yeah. yeah, standing corn. Yeah. <laughs> I heard the truck. I heard the truck go off. Like he was he was 150 yards from me up where the truck was, 200 yards. He calls me, and I heard the, you know he set his alarm. I heard the beep of the truck. And I said, just come down through the corn. Uh-uh. Look, look for my lights. <laughs> I heard him crashing down through the corn. You come back and get me. <laughs> Dude, if, if anything if anything was going to touch me, I was swinging. <laughs> <laughs> and see, that's the great part about night hunting is being a predator. We've talked about fox hunting. Yeah. Hiya, Georgie. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Clowns of the corn. I walk through the corn a lot at nighttime. It is. It can be kind of creepy. <sighs> yeah. I'm not, you can get turned around. I don't do it enough to get it. over that. Yeah. I just don't. Sorry. 
So I shot. I, I made this shot, and this doe ran off, and uh, I gave her time. Um, you know, hunting by yourself, I, uh, you know, I get out of there. I, I, I first of all, I walk over to where I shot. I find some blood, and I, I just split. Give her time. W- really quick. There's a. I'm sure if you go yeah. back to that corn, there's a will size. Uh, path, yeah, <laughs> in that yeah, in that corn now. They call that the miser row. The bulldozer <laughs> row. <laughs> and I back out, and you know the first thing I do is, you know, I have three people I always call. I call Will, I call my dad, I call Lacey. You know, it's it's you know the, you know what it's like when you're fishing and you catch a big fish and you share it with your buddy. You know, but when you're fishing with yourself, like when you and you Stevie take, caught that muskie, yeah, yeah you got to take a picture. Belly picks for everybody. Yeah, amen. Exactly. At that point, yeah. So I call Will and I, I celebrate a little bit because now, you know, I think I've gotten to the point now where, in archery hunting, I, I got away from the the shakes for the first time ever. Like I, I did everything I was supposed to do. I don't get shaky. I don't get excited anymore, until after I shoot and I find blood, and then. All that shit goes crazy. Yeah. Like, uh, now I'm... That's when it happens. Yeah, so I'm walking back to the truck, and I'm like, oh... oh you got yeah, so, ma- yeah. so machine leg while you're walking. Yeah. That's rough. <laughs> so it's at a new level, and I'm calling Will, and I'm calling Dad, and I'm calling Lacey, and I tell Lacey, come over here and learn, you know, learn better how to track, get on this blood trail, and Will's offers, hey, you know, you want me to come down, like always, he's like, I'm right there for you, brother, and I'm like, no, I got this. I give her time to let go lay down. And uh, Lacey finally gets her a little while later. And, you know, Will shows up after me and Lacey get back over to the blood trail and start blood trailing. I'm kind of messing around, and I hear the truck coming, him crashing through the corner. I'm like, I knew my brother would show up. He's here. He comes over. He gets right on the blood trail, follows her down through the woods. Not only follows it, but teaches my wife how to how to track deer, which is amazing to me. Like I'm, as a teacher, I'm in the background now, just looking around, and it's a whole new experience for me. Going, I I don't know what to do with my hands. Like I, I don't, <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't like my wife is in front of me, blood trailing, and my best friend is helping her, teaching her how to blood trail, and I'm standing in the back going. I, I, I'll run the GoPro, I, I guess. I don't. <laughs> I don't know what else to do. Did I shoot that deer? Yeah. <laughs> no, it, honestly, she did. She didn't get up and run. I heard the other two does. They must have made all the noise. But she, she went down. They followed this deer. They blood trailed right to the deer, and it was kind of impressive because Lacey tracked this deer. Will saw it way before Lace did. Right. She tracked it right up to within four or five yards of it. Did she it, give it the old Buckman? She did not go that way. Yes. <laughs> she looked up and she's like, well, maybe it went through there. And Will's smiling at me. <laughs> and uh, But, yeah, it startled her. When she looked up and saw the white belly, it startled yep. her. But... Yeah, she was. She pulled a. She pulled a fill. Yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, she say, we found it. <laughs> <laughs> she was looking. She's literally looking right at. Oh, it kind of just. Oh, there. Yeah. Huh. But, <laughs> it. It. Well, this doe did not decide to go to anywhere where it was nice to track either. It was. <laughs> it was some thick thorn rope jaggers, thickets, and it, it crashed right in the thickest part of Pennsylvania. <laughs> yeah, we couldn't. You like, can see the white belly sticking out of the... Which couldn't get to it. I yeah. didn't get, like, the call was like, but, I, you know, I, 
arrowed a deer here last light. Oh, cool. You want me to come down? He never said, bring your machete. <laughs> you know? Bring the brush hulk. I never said that. <laughs> you know, we just, but yeah, we wrestled her out of the green briar. And, and Will, you know, Will was extremely patient while I taught Lacey a little bit about, you know, how to field dress. And I tell you what, the shot, the shot for as fast as a fastball was, I didn't, the crossbow was, I didn't know where it went in. I didn't see the right. shot placement. Yeah. I just heard the bass drum thump. But I have never seen, I've never seen in my lifetime of archery hunting the devastation of a double lung shot like that. It was literally like Jelly. jello, liquefied yep. double lungs and um, impressive. It was, it's like a bowl of jello that somebody left sit out too long. Right, starts to liquefy, but there's still some thicker th- chunks yeah, in it. No, yeah, I, no, I can it's, take that. Yep. Yep. Interesting. Yeah. So I mean, it, it, she didn't last long. She did not. Yep. She I didn't suffer none. It was humane. Yep. Yep. It was pretty cool. And I, 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 I was so happy to be a part of it. I, I wanted to just be there the moment you called, but you know, um, I got there as soon as I could. No, I, I and, can't believe how fast you got there. So, we get the deer out. And uh, drag it to you know the nearest road and catfish and I walk up to the trucks and I, I pull out this uh, I stopped at Sheets and uh, I, oh this boy. was the best I made I pulled out <laughs> an orange monster I was so happy I was I was everything before this made me happy like my brother bulldozing through the briars he's like I said the road's that way he's like all right. Like I'm not. I didn't have to drag my own deer. Gone. Yeah, he's just gone. He gone. I'm like, hey, wait up! <laughs> he's through the rope jaggers and all. I'm like, the road's that way. Seriously, it's it's. We got to it, and uh, I don't know. I'm not used to not dragging my own deer out either. So we got there, and yeah. So we get to the road, and I go get the truck. And one of the greatest things about all the things I just went through was Will handing me my favorite drink, and I'm like. You gotta be kidding me. He said, <laughs> "But I love you. I love you, brother. I love you." But I can't. Yes, I never thought this is possible. I love you even more now. <laughs> I love you even more now. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of funny, and then, uh, uh, and, and then, so we load her up and get her back and start you know, get her quartered up, and and uh, just right before that happened, hang it. Well, when we hung it under the porch and we were skinning it. That one of the things we can't skip is Will looks at me and he goes, "Hey, look here." He breaks out two honey buns. I was gonna say there's only one thing that could have made that whole better. night better. Yeah. Honey buns. We had to hunt. We we're skinning. We're eating honey buns. You hear that, Randy? <laughs> we need those honey bun packs. It was that was an honest to God. I don't know where you got them. They could have been the cheapest or the most expensive honey buns in the world, but they, they were, tasted like they're they the most expensive. They were awesome. For the record, there's no such thing as an expensive honey bun. I didn't really. So they were all priced oh, just right. Delicious. I didn't realize priced how, deliciously. Yeah. Priced to sell. This uh, this doe. I didn't realize how big she really was. I oh, I was a big one. Yeah, she was at least she was a four year old plus. And for not knowing. That your crossbow was about to go off? Your crossbow did a fantastic job. That shot placement was right on, brother. Everything was great. Body mechanics and muscle memory of just... It's almost like a a dead stare when you're staring through the crosshairs of a rifle. Crossbow, no matter what it is, 
I, you know, Dad always taught me if your gun goes off and you don't know it went off, you did it right. That's that's exactly the way that they teach it at Paris Island. I mean, when when I was in boot camp, they said you should always be surprised when your gun goes off. This crossbow it's about totally slow, steady trigger pull, yeah, uh, breath control, and sight picture, and you know you you work through all of that at the range. But once you have that down, like you said, muscle memory, the reflex, everything just it it comes into play. And your body knows it's it's doing the right thing. The weapon knows it's ready, and you just well, it was emotional. Boom! Because it I goes think off for the first time ever. It went perfect. Yeah, yeah, because it it did shock me. It did surprise me. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, we got back. We got it all done, and we hung out in the garage. And it was uh, like like you heard earlier when we talked to Keith Beasley. It was uh, it was a night full of emotion. So it was it was a good night. It really was. Thanks, Lace. If you're, li- if you're listening to this, um, I know that when I drug the deer through the garage and through the basement and then up the, <laughs> the carpeted staircase, it's white carpet, and then I drug the deer through the living room and into the kitchen. And when we finally got it like up on the counter where we could, thanks for cleaning all that blood trail up, clean out to the outside. I, my wife loves me. Yeah, Lacey and, <laughs> Lacey and those Yorkies. Yeah, very good job. Hey, thanks, brother. I love you. I really appreciate it. Yeah, man, that they wouldn't have it any other way. Congratulations to any, well, of, you know, yeah. any of the guys. Here's yeah, a, amen. Here's a really ninety nine 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 percent of amazing emotion. There's only one zero 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 one percent that there's problem with all this. What's that? I'm calling you next time I shoot a deer. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that's exactly how, you know. It, it's just, we we can do that. I mean, I, I you've bailed me out a billion times. Phil bailed, bailed me out a hundred times. You know, Ryan's about to bail me out. Sweet. You know, <laughs> I mean, it is what it is. I mean, we're, we're here for each other. And I, that's out of this whole year, meeting all these great people and across the world and... Um, and I got the best group of guys right here in front of me. And uh, you stop it, stop it, man, stop it. You're so, my boy, Blue. I, um, it's a team. Yeah, we had a All great brotherhood. I had a great week. You know, I was in the woods a handful of times. Nothing, you know, nothing rode home with me. But uh, still, like you said, every time out's different, and you learn a lot. You and, uh, but you know, I guess we're running out of time, so. We'll talk about it a little bit more next time. I yeah. hope to have more next time. Ryan's going to shoot a buck on the next show. My uh, my epic outdoor whitetail week starts tomorrow when I take my son out for the uh, early youth doe season with his rifle. I'll have my bow out on Saturday, and I will be texting catfish which, any moment I can. Just which to, way is it coming? Just to check. <laughs> it isn't this Saturday. It's next Tuesday night. Oh, I guess I know which day I'm taking vacation next week. Let <laughs> yeah. me write Love that it. down. You know, you do got me shaking up this week. <laughs> Thinking about my hunt, you got me all shaking up. <laughs> we got them all so breathing out of his eyelids and everything. So where can they find us, guys? You can find us at www.ruttonriverpursuits.com, and you can uh, follow us on Instagram at r2pursuits and follow us individually. Uh, at Pass Through Archery? Yeah. At Darkwater737. Steve Miser. <laughs> Will Miser. 
You got to follow R two Buck. You got to follow Steve Miser. That's the best one ever. Yeah, oh, it's hot. It's Belly, like Billy Pictures Anonymous. So like watching <laughs> grass grow. He's got a good. He, he's got a new phone, and it just takes just great search photos. Hashtag fish bellies. I mean, he's all over it. Two D fish belly. You can listen to us on Stitcher, Google Play, Castbox, uh, you know, iTunes, and iTunes. Just go to just go to our website. Yeah, the website's got it all. It's got it all. Go Except there for the uh, don't forget the YouTube page. Right and River Pursuits Podcast. We do right have River a Pursuit page. Podcast. Yeah. So um, every week or two, we get a brand new, deeper video that comes out. Yeah. Yeah. Those guys are pumping out the the R2 deeper experience. Thanks, George. Where's George? Where's George? Where is George? <laughs> Indeed. Anybody uh, seen George? I hope we see him this February. Talk about it, having the cameraman. You know that was amazing. He's he's such a talented dude, and uh, that Lucas was you know, thinking about another humble guy. Yeah, yeah. He's very humble. He's very quiet. He just videos yeah. all the time, twenty four seven. George, I'm getting stuff out of the smoker. Yes, I know. I'd like to video. <laughs> <laughs> Can I video? Awesome. Awesome. All right. Hey, let's Thanks, get this Keith pick. Beasley. You've been awesome, boss. Peace. Later. See you guys. You guys have nailed it. And listen, when when do men hug? Funerals, weddings, sports events, and in the woods and or beside a fish. That, you, that, that's when the motion gets highest where you you take, when you, drop all the pride, drop all the ego, and you embrace in these incredible, incredible moments. And, and on you know, that's what it's all about. <laughs> yeah, when, you, when, when you find that dough, you didn't think you were